We are coming to you with the unspoken words. This is the Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Well-briety. Community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Hey, Unspoken word episode ninety three to PJ Brown episode. All right, all right, all right. Unspoken words episode ninety three, ninety three in the house. Ah, I remember nineteen ninety three. That was a good year. Nineteen so much. Ah, yeah, I was I was ten. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, night summer of nineteen ninety three. I was at a tent revival win. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was just born. <laughs> I was bouncing Randy on my lap. <laughs> At a tent revival. <laughs> oh, hey, it's good to be back in the house. Yes, I've been sir. absent the past two weeks, so it's good to be back in our sweat lodge of a studio here. Yeah. Hey, pour, pour some more on the rocks there, Randy. <laughs> What's the fourth round called again? Uh, Buffalo round. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Tatanka round. Oh, wow. All right, hey, this is, oh, introductions over here to my left, all the way from LG, he ain't even trying to preach, he's the pod gotti, Randy B in the place to be, what's up? All right, and special guest tonight, all the way from across the country, Orville Desjardins, Ah, what's up? From San Antonio. Hey, all the way from the coast, came graced us with his presence up here in Montaigne. Hey, and you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs. It's good to be here. While going and back in the studio, I felt uh, I felt somehow the past two weeks. <laughs> it feels so very good to be here. I feel like a hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, Mr. Beaumont is on his way. Yes, sir. I'll uh, get serious for a second here. He's on his way. Uh, sisters in the hospital, not doing too well. So, special prayer request sent out for JCB and his sister right this time. We appreciate any prayer sent our way towards his sister. Appreciate that right now. And moving right along to Mr. Desjarle. Yes, sir. Uh, tell us what you do and what you've been up to. I've been doing Native Wellness Life magazine with my sister for the past three and a half years. And we just love what we do. Uh, If you didn't know anything about it, it's a health and wellness magazine for Native Americans nationwide. We started our world headquarters are here in Billings. I don't know if you knew that or not. But we, it's a good place. We're just in about 12 states, actually. But we think big. Yes. Yes, sir. You got to think big. There he is. Oh, there he is. Now it's a party. Hey, now we got a party. Now we got all four directions. Yep. Now he's her. I'm going to slide this over for you, sir. 
So Native Wellness Life. Yes, sir. It's a printed magazine that we came out with. We came out with the idea, even though everyone said print was dead, newspapers are dead, magazines are dead, we went and made one anyway. Do you yeah. know why? Why? Because on, on the, uh, especially on the reservations, there's it's kind of a, the internet, there's a little internet problem there, and then sometimes mm-hmm. the cell phone, well, you've been out to, a, uh, you know, the Crow Agency even has some black spots over there where oh, you, can't, yeah. you can't even get cell phone service, so it's sketchy. Yeah. But the magazines, they're printed, they come out every month, yeah. and they're very reliable. So it's a good way to get, it's a good communication tool for anybody yes, who wants sir. to advertise stuff. So we got, we don't have a lot of advertisements, but the one we do, we got like Zero Suicide, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really good cause. Yes, and then sir. we also have a WIC and uh, some mm-hmm. other food programs that want to get a hold of people on, our, on the reservations just to have no way to do it, don't know how to do it. Yeah. And this turns out to be a good tool for us. And Better than that is my sister and I just love doing it. We just oh, enjoy yeah, sure. writing and we just enjoy, uh, Sheila enjoys designing and mm-hmm. yeah, I've done that my whole life. So it's just something I've been doing since I was in the Air Force. Air Force. Yeah. How many years did you do uh, the journaling in the Air Force? Oh, I was a, a journalist since 1984. Oh, wow. I know. I was one. You were one. Oh, yeah. JC was like 20 already. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I think yeah. he was thirty. <laughs> he was a little guy. Only nineteen. <laughs> so okay, all right. So what did I miss? What are we, where are we at here? Uh, we're just learning about yeah, Orville here, and we just got done with the introductions like two, three minutes ago. Oh yeah, yeah okay. So I'm not too. So my. Hitting streak is still alive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. This, this counts. This, this counts. counts. Just a tardy. Tardy doesn't mean you're absent. Oh, right. yeah. Right? Okay. okay. I'll take that. <laughs> so our, our cause is the big cause, and it includes what you guys are doing, too. For sure. Yes. Along with zero suicide, uh, you know, uh, the problems we're facing out there, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Indian country, suicides, and you've got drugs, and you've got alcohol, and all that mixed together, and just, uh, we're just trying to reduce that. That's all. Yeah, one thing that I really appreciate about your magazine is that whenever I pick it up and read it, I haven't read all the issues, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, the ones that I have picked up and read is like some really good information that I would have like wouldn't have known or wouldn't have come across right. otherwise. I know, you know. So I'm like, wow, this is really good, you know. Yeah. And lots, lots of Thanks. information, lots of information. There is really is. good. And the thing about it is, like I said, you got fed, you got federal government programs that are trying to reach people, mm-hmm. and you got state programs that are trying to reach people, and yeah. you even got tribal programs that are trying to reach their people. And this magazine is one way we thought that you can you could use to to, to reach them. Yes, and it seems to be working. Definitely, and like. I wanted to bring it to Bellings Clinic, the place where I work now, mm-hmm. uh, but they're still, you know, following some CDC regulations, oh, so sure. they don't have, they can't have magazines in their waiting rooms. Absolutely. So, but I got it lined up so when they when that lifts, oh. we're we're buying boxes. We'll be in we're buying crates. The Billings full. Clinic. Yes. You'll be in yeah. the Billings Clinic. And here's what, here's the one thing. Remember, uh, these we want you to take them home. Yes. These magazines are. We want to hit all three res- all generations that are in your house, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. want to hit grandma, grandpa. We want to hit the parents. We want to hit the children. Yeah, preferably have the grandparents reading to the grandchildren. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. So that's why we have a kids page in there, and right got a little something for everybody there. And yeah. use a lot of culture to to grab their eyeballs and grab their attention. Yeah, just love what we do. Definitely the um, fruit bustle one. Oh, I yeah. think that's one of my aside from us being on the cover, the fruit bustle one. <laughs> 
I think it's one of my favorite. <laughs> Your guys on the cover was a classic. <laughs> it was just so. I mean, I, it was so out of character with yeah. our magazine. But yeah, it was, yeah. that's why. That's why. It's, that's why he's grabbing your eyeballs. That that one in the middle. That that's me. That's me. <laughs> Yug. Hey. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say? He's the meat of the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it wasn't weird. <laughs> but if that's what we're gonna do, <laughs> you know it. So does that make you guys the buns? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what I was going to say is um, it's weird that they have, you can't have magazines in there, but everybody can have a cell phone. Man, cell phones are filthy. They are filthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of <clears throat> where I'm at. That's neither here nor there. That, that's that, neither here nor there. That's JC's. That's, that, that's his style. He's like off the wall. Like, hmm. All right. Well, moving along. Moving along. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to plug our our, uh, our conference, which you guys are going to be at. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. No, I mean, I want to express great gratitude for even, like, being on a cover. You know, I think. Oh, like our pleasure. I show my mom, and it, like, really? how brought that, tears how, to her eyes. How'd that come over with all of you guys? Yeah, how my, did, how did that like, my mom, she was so grateful. And, like, she was like, wow, you're on the cover of this magazine. Like, she was, like, tears in her eyes. Really? Yes, sir. So That's I gave so good to hear. I gave a couple copies, like, to my sister, and my, uh-huh. they went and framed them. Really? She framed nice. it and put it in her office. No kidding. Yeah. Yes, and she works up at a, a what do you guys call it, Buick? Yeah, yeah. Bellings Urban and Health and Wellness Center. That. She's an addiction, <laughs> addiction counselor. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's an addiction. So she, she, That's she, awesome. she sent me a, a picture of it. She goes, this is what she did with hers. And, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, That's the awesome. gratitude that we have for that, I mean, it was really kind of, I don't know, surreal seeing that. Uh-huh. But then read the, the story itself, like mm-hmm. the, the inside, I thought it was great. I thought she did a great job. Great. I mean, it's, it's, Glad it's, you liked it. It's pretty awesome. Man. Uh-huh. Well, you guys make it easy to write a story because you're all you know, characters. Tell him about he went to that basketball tournament. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, we That's showed good. up, um, I think, in March to the Metra, and we were at a basketball tournament, and um, my daughter went to go get ice cream, and she was in that line. She goes, hey, that's my dad, like, you know? And the lady was like, hey, do you want it? Um, yeah, so she gave it to her. Wow. It was at the Metra, yeah, so. That's where she's seen it? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, she's like, that's yeah. my dad, and, you know. Uh, that that was us, and uh, yeah, they gave it to her, and she was all happy when she came running back. Yeah, yeah. During that time too, like people were just taking pictures of the magazine and like sending it to us, mm. and sending it like emailing it to us, and like, hey, we read this, this is awesome, check this, this out, check this out. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Got uh, a kick out of it, man. It was yeah. pretty awesome. I was like, yeah, oh. I like, I like your little uh, Rolexes in the wall and in the dollar store. Analogy. With it, it took me a second, and then I thought, I know what he means now. It's like we got really fancy stuff in this cluttered little. <laughs> it came ah. in my mind, and I go, I gotta put that out there because it was because these are I know these mics. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they're like little jewels. Yeah, they are yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, then you look around. <laughs> and then you look around, <laughs> and, it's, and it, 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 it is hot in here, audience. It's it's oh. it's, yeah, it's hot. Yeah, it I come from Texas, so you know. Yeah, it's that dry heat though. <laughs> it's not that uh that muggy. Yeah. yeah. Man, I was in DC. Man, it was so humid there. I couldn't live there. Right. I could not live there. So yeah. anybody out there Even where, if you try to curl up in the in the yeah. shade, it's still just, Yeah. 
That is mug amp. sticky. Hey, you, know what it, you know what that humidity reminds me of? Is like, remember, did you ever go inside our, to the warm springs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter where you go, like in Bozeman Hot I've never, Springs. I've never been there before. Where's Bozeman Hot Springs? No matter where you go in that building, it just feels like, boom, like it's just. Oh, yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. In sweat. Yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when we got there. <laughs> Take those glasses off. Dog, I know. It's like, they're my prescription, though. And then, <laughs> I just. <laughs> How do I know you're not making faces at me under there? Just squint. Just squint. That's what us. one of my coworkers said the other night. She's like, hey, can you take those? Uh, the other day during a meeting, she's like, hey, take those off, man. I can't even tell where you're looking at. <laughs> but I just forget about them because they're my sunglasses. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm not used to carrying around two pairs. Oh, I know. I yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got a question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are you guys going to be uh, teaching people on Tuesday during the conference, do you think? Um, I think cool. the, one of our main goals is to teach them how to point with their lips. <laughs> Over there. Over there. And to really draw out some of those vowel sounds like (laughs) slow down their talk so it's like this so I can understand what they're saying. (laughs) And when you get real good you can do them both together. (laughs) Plain and talk. No. Man, I mean probably just Start from the from the basics, like how we got started, like really just an idea and then jumping in right. without jumping in the deep end without really, okay, uh, I don't know how to swim, but if I start to drown, I can hold on to these two kind of yeah. deal. Like, did, did you realize it was going to be this hard, this difficult, this time consuming, this learning, all that stuff? Um, no, I, I didn't realize any of that, you know, definitely, but I think... Like, we wanted to do it, but it was something that was on our minds. It was something we wanted to pursue. But once we started, then the advice started coming from other podcasters. Oh, like, I see. They're like, hey, if you get to eight, then you're legit. Then that means you're legit. Ten. You're keep ten, ten. Eight. Ten. Yeah, ten. Ten. ten podcasts? Ten, ten episodes. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. And then, so, like, the first goal was Learn. ten. Yeah. And we got to ten. I was like, man, we're doing it. Let's keep going. But, yeah, I mean, it's something that... I know we all look forward to every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but to get back to your question was, yeah, just that. I was just kind of in our uh, initial conversations about Tuesday was like, hey, let's just go tell our story. Yeah. Create a safe space for people to ask questions and just have mm-hmm. a conversation with the crowd, you know? Here's what I, here's what I think, right? Here's yeah. I, I think a lot of people out there think, you know, why don't we just, let's just start a podcast and, and we'll just yeah. start doing that. I... I wish. To me, it's like going, well, why don't we just start a magazine and get that published every month? <laughs> like it's nothing, right? Yeah. And even a four-page newsletter is hard to do, believe it or not. It's oh, just, I bet. just yeah. hard to do, as is a podcast. So mm-hmm. I think when people are going, let's get the word out, let's just start a podcast and, you know, Coming up we'll, just, we'll just do that. Yeah. yeah. But, but what but, is the hardest part? I'm sorry. But, but you know, like, just based on your experience yeah. from your magazine and right. whatnot, that Saying something and then doing something are two different things. Oh, for sure. And like I said, we, I think, I think it was at the time ignorance was bliss, right? Yeah. Going in, we didn't know exactly what, what went on or what, what, you know, it entailed. Right. But we did it anyway. Good work. And we, and we just went ahead and just kept on going forward. Uh, if you listen to those earlier episodes, they're raw. What do you think of them now? They're sound like we're in a cave. What is this, two years? Is it almost two years now? Uh, yeah, yeah, November November 6th. 
November right. 6th will be two years. Because we were here, you were going on that one-year anniversary, which is a which is a highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you guys had a party for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we had a one-year anniversary. So many listen to those first ones. They're, they're, I mean, they sound like we're in a cave, basically. <laughs> yeah, they do, because we're down in the sanctuary. It's a totally different sound system, oh. borrowed sound system. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we went into it with, like, a skeleton Great. of, idea. like, an idea. We knew we had to have an opening, like a closing. Yeah. We knew we had to have transitions. Yeah. And we had all that ready to yeah, go. Yeah. And then... Uh, it's like we'll just talk recovery, you know, and like, boom, we just went. And then, with it. of course, you know, we one of the first things that we we had to have in there too was humor. Yeah, our, oh, our humor yeah. because when you sit around, like when we're not recording, we're we're just sitting around like this. I mean, we're we're always laughing, we're always joking, yeah. we're always teasing, yeah. and, and then that's just the way natives are anyway, you know. Yeah. So I think we we're going to use that as a tool to not only. Attract people in, but, you know, like, they can relate to that. Like, hey, man, these guys are joking about the same things that, you know, we would back home. Absolutely. See, the way we use, um, and this is just a story I was showing on my magazine mm-hmm. about standing instead of sitting at a desk. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you guys could all be, like, standing here at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an option. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But, but you see how Debbie kind of can't stand sitting. She just kind of put some uh, native designs in yeah, there, yeah. and it kind of gets sucks your eye. And kind of like what you guys use humor, humor, yeah, you yeah, use yeah. humor yeah. the way we use visuals in our magazine, and that's yeah. what kind of makes you different, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that, like the humor thing, like I was, like I think we all came to an agreement, like, hey, we got a green light on humor, yeah, like green light, gotta just let out. it go, let it flow, and um, yeah, Randy really gets us going here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that that's that's really what connects us with our audience. Like we draw them in with the humor, um, and it's the light bantering, the going back and forth. But I really believe like it's the consistency, setting aside the time to come in and, and dedicate ourselves to this craft, right? And really perfecting the craft because at first we didn't know and we couldn't wait for anybody to open up a platform for us. We created our own, right? And once we started creating our own, we started realizing, like, our target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we realized, like, the target audience, then we were, like, able to build and add meat to the bones, you know? Uh, like, like I said, we mm-hmm. just uh, started with the skeleton, and, that, and then it was just like, okay, like, we need this, we need this. We can improve here, we can improve there. And then just putting it together to where we have these Rolexes and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rolexes in a, and, but then, in a dollar that, store. And yeah. that, that in and of itself is, you know, <laughs> like along in this, during this journey, there's so many people that have came in as blessings and that have supported us. You, yeah. you included. Yes. You I mean, know. you included. And, oh, and, they, you. and they support us and they and they offered us um, donations, mm-hmm. um, monetary donations. These were donated. Yeah, um, these were awesome. we, we got uh, the board from donations because and and even when we first started the equipment that we used was donated by the church Mm -hmm. this room everything so i mean i think you know that probably comes from a a a spiritual side the spiritual side Mm -hmm. then that's something that we're always pushing to um it's important to each and every one of us and it's just like the blessings that keep coming in and one thing led to another and he already said it, consistency, but, you know, we all made up our minds to be there, mm-hmm. to be there every week. And there were times, you know, when these guys were gone. I mean, there were times when I was in here by myself right. recording the episode here, and then I would call them up right. 
and say, hey, we, you know, then that's how we had our episode. Yeah. But it, but we made it work. We're making it work. You make it work. And, and, you know, and I could, could I sit here and tell you that everything is peaches and cream because we have our bumps in the road, but I think we're all at such a good place in our, in our lives and in our mm-hmm. journeys that we, we get through anything. That's uh, awesome. Like we don't, my sister and I, Chris, we're doing something that uh, very few people have done. And I imagine it's the same with you all. We don't get a lot of feedback though. Do you guys get any feedback? Some. It's just sporadic. Is it? Yeah, sporadic. Is it? Is do you do you do you like it? Yeah. How, I do, mean, how do you accept the feedback? All, <clears throat> it seems to come when like we're kind of like questioning what we're doing. Okay. okay so yeah, like that. it's like 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 give me an example. Okay, so like I. Um, or one of us might be like kind of having a rough time, rough go at it, you know, okay. just kind of feeling low. Right. Life's hitting us pretty hard. It is. And then we get an email from a listener that says, man, I really appreciate episode whatever. And they're like, it really spoke to me and it's really helping me keep keep me sober. And we're wow. just like, wow. Wow. You know, and then it just lifts us up. Yeah. You know, wow. it lifts our spirits and they're like, okay, we're actually... We're actually doing something that's effective and it is meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, and it really kind of ignites our fire again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's awesome. And so then, like <clears throat> in the beginning, you know, I told these guys, I said, "We got to show up." I said, "We we're, we set this date for Thursday nights, Thursday evenings. We got to be here." Um, and I said, "We got to commit to that," and these guys have, mm-hmm. you know, and. I think yeah, JC's been the only one that's in person at every episode, and you know me and Randy have had to do some traveling, but he holds it down, and we phone in or pre-record or do what we got to do to make the episode happen. Mm-hmm. Try to phone in. Try to phone. In. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, but that, it has to be like Thursday set apart, Thursday evening is set apart, right. and I think like our our circles, uh, families. They all understand that we're dedicating mm-hmm. a certain portion of our evening on Thursdays yeah. uh, to the podcast. And even if a holiday or something comes up, we'll pre-record. Okay. And then drop that on that Thursday. Um, so I, I think the idea behind that, too, is like when the right door opens, they'll look and they'll see our consistency. Yeah. Um, we never got into it thinking of like big ideas like that. But, um, but they started coming. You know, uh, just by sharing our, our, our stories. Um, and then the, the, the feedback does come, and, and, and it's always timely. When you need it the most. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's timely, and one of us will share it in a group chat. We're like, dang, like, check this out. These guys, like, you know? know. And, they're, and we're not even, like, we've never even connected with, like, personally. Mm. But our stories resonate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point of them wanting to reach out. Yeah, so really. Thank does. you. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so it's just awesome to have another resource available to the community. Mm-hmm. And that 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 was huge too. Like during the pandemic, you know, everybody was on lockdown, and that's I think that's when I really first started listening. I mean, I sporadically listened to podcasts here and there, and there are some things that I was interested in, but I didn't see a lot of native representation. No. I mean, you see some YouTube, you see some uh, other things. But I never really heard like um, something on uh, like the native representation from a podcast, and like the way my mind thinks, I always try to put a, a Indian spin on everything that I'm looking at. 
Like, like I could watch a movie. Like, what it would be, what would it be like if the Avengers were all Indians? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like that's how I, you know, that's just the way I think. Like, right. and, and, and so um, I was like, man, we need something like that. Uh, and, if, and if the Avengers were all natives, then they'd have to assemble and fight their baby mamas. They'd all pile into one spaceship and have to travel like that. Wow. An overcrowded spaceship. Bologna sandwiches everywhere (laughs) for days. (laughs) But that's that's just you know what what Mm -hmm. I thought at the time, and and you know to say like if you uh, went on a search the search bar and typed in native because it's in our in the name of our podcast it'll pop up right, and then I think that kind of you know gets a lot of people. Because right. I do know that there are listeners out there who are not struggling with addiction, but they listen anyway. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, even though our focus is addiction, uh, suicide, mm-hmm. uh, mental uh, mental health, mental health, and things like that, really, what we're talking about is kind of life lessons, right? These are life lessons that anybody can apply to their life, whether they're going through. The good times and the bad. Don't you think it's also if I was in L.A. or in a big city, in an urban area somewhere, and I'm just separated from my from my tribe, and it's just and hearing, that it's hearing, it's, yeah, it's that connection that you guys yeah. are making out there, and I can yeah. hear, I can hear y'all making the the jokes that I wish I was there listening to these yeah. guys, you know, because that's yeah. what I miss. Yeah, when I'm when I'm back on the res. Yeah, oh. and I definitely think that's part of it because I know there were times when, man, like I I miss that that that. When you were away from home, you miss home, right? You do. You miss yeah. the people. You miss the, the. I guess you know. One one other way to say it is that we don't natives don't think the way other cultures think, and so when we're out there in non-native land, <laughs> that's a thing. Then you can tell the difference. But when you come home, you know you're home, and you're surrounded by people who are just like you, and can, oh. you and. Like, I bet you if a lot of people watch, say, something like Reservation Dogs, I bet you they don't get half the jokes. They don't. They probably Mm. don't even get three quarters of them. They Mm. don't. I just seen one of the episodes where she turned over an owl, Doyle, that was on the kitchen table. Yeah. Nobody will will know what that means at all. Uh -uh. She goes, oh, hell no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or else they're talking about, like, uh, um, she has those those kids' hair, remember? Yeah. 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 And yet, don't put that bad juju on me. <laughs> but, see, yeah. Like they don't, you know, th- those are things that we all get. And I think that kind of, that's another thing. That's another uh, thing that will attract listeners. Like, man, like I just want to hear other natives. If I'm in home. Texas or LA or, you know. And what you see, if I, you know, I've, I've been looking too after listening to your, your podcast. I look at the other podcasts and they're not as, they're not as reliable as yours. Not as, they're, they're not coming up every Thursday uh, and consistent. doing it. Yeah. They'll they'll start and they'll stop and you don't know where they went. You don't know what happened. Yeah, yours your story just continues, and that's that's one of the things that like like Josiah said is that was kind of made pretty clear at least to me mm-hmm. was that consistency. We got to keep going, keep that's going, how you keep, keep gaining, keep yeah. getting it, and um, you know one one step at a time. And before you know it, man, you made a pretty long journey, and that's what yeah. we've done. Yeah, something to be proud of. Yeah, that's, episode ninety three. Yeah, that's wow. exactly what I was gonna say. Ninety three weeks in a row, we've been here, you know, showing up. And initially, it was just to have a platform. 
like Randy was saying, yeah. to share our experience, strength, and hope. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt we all three of us felt like we had something to give, you know. <clears throat> but as we moved along, you know, these doors are opening up, and we're asked to come MC events. We're asked to come MC suicide prevention events, and we're just like, whoa, what? And that's pretty cool. You know, even all the way across the country, getting asked to come and speak. It, I mean, that didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just the fact that we got asked, like, there's interest. It's gaining interest, and yeah. it's. Kind of like a snowball effect, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely snowball. The more we just keep showing up, then um, yeah, these doors are opening. And <clears throat> the fact that you guys were talking about, you know, connecting, making that connection with somebody that's away from their people, away from home and stuff. Yeah. There was actually someone that reached out from New Jersey who was a native but didn't even, like, grow up on a res mm-hmm. or around his people. But he knew he was native, but he found our podcast and was like, Felt a connection with us, yeah. and he's been emailing us really periodically. Yeah. That's pretty cool, telling us how he's doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's been amazing too. That is, that is so cool. We were in Minneapolis going to a conference and uh, checking into a hotel, and and I go, he goes, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm uh, we do Native Wellness Life magazine." He goes, "I love that magazine." All right, on. Well, I'm going, oh my God, I'm checking into a hotel. This guy knows about my bags. <laughs> Is this a joke? What's going on? <laughs> They're <laughs> They're to know this. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. And I was just, I was just, I just had this thought. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I'm, I'm like a half breed, right? Uh, about half Indian and half French and German and I don't know what all else we got in there. Kind How of a ragtag half stuff. Half from like four different things. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, well, that one half is all messed up. And like, the other half. That's like 150% there. The other mm. half is like a quarter, uh, you know, Cinnaboyne and then yeah. the one is a Chippewa. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're, Deb and I and our family, we can go between two cultures fairly well. The, the white and the, and, and, and the Indian sides, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we think that's one of our strengths. And I was thinking about it in the terms of you guys, you know, having gone that that route that you guys took when you're, you can talk to people who are having problems with drugs because you were down that road. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I mean. You can walk those two worlds. Yeah. Like my sister and I walked the two worlds. You can walk those two worlds and that's, that's where your following is. Mm-hmm. You can, you're living in both worlds. Oh, yeah. And you can explain that other one very well because you've been there, done yes. that. Oh, yeah. And I thought there was a good analogy there. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. That's definitely it. And <clears throat> I think we, we were kind of shocked to be pulled into this suicide prevention work. Yeah. Um, but when we really looked at it, you know, in the throes of our addiction, we had lost all hope. We were just making installments on our own suicide. Wow. You know. Installments. And then so. Powerful. Making that realization is kind of realizing that thing. We were able to speak to that, you know, that topic, that population, and just be like, you know, this was our experience, and this is how we kind of pulled ourselves out of the gutter mm-hmm. by reaching out, mm-hmm. by reaching out for help, whether it be um, <clears throat> through counselors, through treatment, through church, through right. preachers, through um, other people that are walking the red road, you know, just putting that all out there that you can um you can change your stars you can turn turn the page and go on a good way and that's that's a really good transition to what you wanted to talk about which is homelessness when you're talking about you know drugs drug addiction and suicide it also is a is a huge factor in homelessness is it not yes sir yes 
And um, yeah, with that, uh, before we get into the main topic. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That was good. That was good. That was a good segue, though. But um, well, I wanted you to kind of share. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the Cliff Notes version of like where you came from, where you grew up, how you got into journaling, what inspired you to get into that field. Wow. Wow. You don't want to take a break first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And then we'll get into the I main topic. I just got topic. here. Don't look at me. No, he's ready to go. We're ready to go. <laughs> oh, man. I was, uh, uh, what did I do? Oh, I went to the Institute of American Indian Art. Well, I, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. my sister and I grew up and on, on, off and on the reservation. Um, up until the fourth grade, then we moved to Billings here. Okay. And then started going to school here. But every summer, I'd go back to Wolf Point, Montana, where my grandmother and grandpa were, and I would stay with them every summer. Work at the CETA program, C-E-T-A. I forgot what it stands for now, but for me, it was it might as well just call it mowing lawns, right? Okay. So you'd mow lawns at the, the, the ball field, at the parks, and all that kind of stuff. Extra money, right? Yeah. Summertime money, and you have some money, some money spending. You got to work every day, and I'd go there every summer up until I was 18 years old. So every summer I was uh, spending time on, on the Fort Peck Reservation, and then uh, during the school year I'd come to school here in Billings. At Billings Senior High graduated after that and mm-hmm. went to the Institute of American Indian Arts down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, I was really interested in art, really got involved in it, loved it. And this is kind of weird. The day I, you know, the day I, I got out of it, out of the school, I, uh, I quit. I quit painting, drawing, everything. Just, poof, just huh. up and just gone. Yeah. The, the, and I used to love to do art. I mean, I could do it until 2 in the morning, forget time, forget to eat, and all that, that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just get lost in art, you yeah. know, and drawing and painting and watercolors and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I just lost interest total like that. Wow. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, so after that, I got into pre-med. I don't know how I can go from finger painting to brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. And after a year, it... I can. <laughs> Didn't I? It, of course, I flunked out after the year, right? <clears throat> but are you flunking out, or are you just trying to find out what to, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Right? I think when you're out. in college, you, yeah, you can flunk out, but you can also say, "Well, that's not my thing." Yeah, that's not my thing, man. I didn't fail. I'm just not a doctor. Maybe I'm something else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I joined the military and uh, came in open general, uh, meaning they they go by your scores, and I scored a little bit high, I guess. And they says, "Well, you can be whatever you want." Well, I was kind of partially colorblind. I don't think it had anything to do with my art. Maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe my paintings were weird. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, they says, yeah, I want to be an air traffic controller. And they said, no, you can't be one. They said, You're not, you can't see your greens and your blues. The third grade, the third spectrum or some darn thing. I don't know what even know what they're talking about. But it wasn't like that. I could see my primaries, but I couldn't see the other ones. Anyway, mm. I picked journalism and uh, went through journalism school and just started becoming a journalist from there on out. Wow. Uh, working on newspapers when I started out, and then editor, and and then just grew up all the way to. I was working for the secretary of the Air Force, for Airman Magazine, where we had um, a million readers. Wow! And I could just think of an idea as long as it had an Air Force tie to it, <clears throat> then then I can go do it. Yeah. So I was flying with the Thunderbirds. I went to the motor, Texas Motor Speedway, uh, Texas Motor Speedway, and got driven around in those wow those really? race cars. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Um, I was flying around in a helicopter with uh, Buzz Aldrin mm. up in South Korea. Wow. Uh, we took a helicopter into Katrina, uh, right in the middle of Katrina, right after it ended. We flew in in a helicopter, and I stayed there for 10 days and just did some reporting out of there. Wow. Then I went to Sri Lanka one year where 6,000 people died on an island. 
Jeez. just from the tsunami. This wave came in. Oh yeah, just, yeah, I remember that. And they and they had these little flags that they put up where a dead person was, and you could just see them all over the place. It's just, it's just horrible. So I went to this little village out there in Sri Lanka, um, and this train, it's called the Death Train. You can actually look it up and Google it. And it's the worst train disaster on this planet that ever happened. It happened there in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. So this commuter train was uh, going to one of the villages out there, and they used that commuter, commuter train, and they just packed people on there. Yep. And they're on the top, they're on the sides, they're in the train, and the tsunami hit and rolled it over. Oh. And... Uh, Killed everybody but two people on that train. Two, almost like, when, I think they said initially it was 2,000 people dead. It went down to 1,700, right? Yeah. And there was no help coming there. There was nobody coming out there. So they dig these two great big holes, and they did a mass grave just because these, these kids, they're, they're homeless. They're, they're, they don't have any parents or grandparents, and they're just there, you know, being, it was just horrible. Wow. All these massive graves, they just put all... Everybody who was dead in those mass graves and covered it up and didn't tell anybody because they didn't want the media to know. Wow. Uh, so anyway, we did that, and it was just, just, just some crazy stories. And then I got out of there and started. I retired 2007 and um, started working for the Special Forces down in Tampa, Florida. And I was doing um, called the J-38. It was, um, it was magazines for the foreign military, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like propaganda, but it's not. It's, uh, it's like, I don't know what they call it. I forgot what they called it. Just slipped my mind. But anyway, you, you try to change the behavior of a country or of a military. We tell them the truth, right? Yeah. It's not propaganda. It's actually real stuff yeah. that, we're, that we're teaching them what to do. Not, don't take over your country. Don't, don't take over your country, basically, was the biggest thing we're trying to teach them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that for about six years, six or seven years. And I learned a lot of stuff. And then uh, I just decided to start this magazine with my sister. Right on. Using all the skills I learned in the military. And, That's awesome. Uh, they, they taught me a lot. Went through a whole, seen a lot. Oh, done yeah. a lot. So it was really awesome, actually. Yeah. The best time of my life. I would, I would encourage anybody who is interested in joining the military to do that, even if it's just four years. Yeah. Because they teach you life skills. Oh, they yeah. teach you just yeah, yeah, basic yeah. life skills. And sometimes that's enough to get you by. Oh, yeah. No, I think you've had a lot of success. <laughs> yeah, I try to. Definitely. Still learning. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. I mean, just that um, you're a good storyteller. I could see everything that you're saying. <laughs> That's how I can tell when there's a good storyteller. I can picture what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you've seen a lot of stuff. And, man, thank you for coming on today and <clears throat> um, for the magazine. I, oh. know it's, I know it's probably helping a lot of people and getting a lot of good information out there. Like I said, whenever I read it, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I wouldn't have known this mm-hmm. if I didn't pick up this magazine. That's what we're looking. That's yeah. what we're looking for. Definitely. You guys got any questions or feedback for? I think um, one of the ones I wanted to share with you is like I had a client that I was working with and he was locked up in a facility. Um, but his family had gotten a hold of one of your magazines and sent it to him. Mm-hmm. And I was able to work with them, but it was something that he kept with him. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. You know? That's cool. Um, so it's like making an impact. Yeah, like so it, it kind of gave him hope. Yeah, when he was it gave him up. in in one of his lowest points of his life. Like it gave him hope, and he like clung onto that magazine. Wow, that's a good story. Yeah. Man. Wow. So, God, make me cry over here. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's our goal with every guest. <laughs> Turn them into crybabies. So we make oh. them laugh, we make them cry, and then we make them laugh again. <laughs> and you, we can't have you leave. We can't have you leave here crying. Yeah. So we'll no, make you it's laugh. just it's just sweat. <laughs> it is hot in here. My eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> My eyeballs are sweating profusely. <laughs> Favorite ending? Got any feedback? Uh, I already asked Debbie. I even asked my mom, but I'm yeah. going to ask you. Yeah. Muldoon. Yeah. Where does Muldoon come from? Oh, it comes from my grandmother. She was watching a car 54, and he says, Muldoon, where are you? Or something along those lines. And she called me Muldoon, and it's stuck ever since. Ah, so, okay. yeah. In mm-hmm. my, profes- put- my professional life, I'm Orville. And then they go, Orville, that's a weird name. Do you have another name? And I go, Muldoon. We'll stick with Warble. <laughs> well, well uh, I was texting my mom and I said, yeah, Warble this, Norble that. And then she would text back and Muldoon this, Muldoon that. Yeah. Yeah, I know him by Muldoon. Oh, Loretta? I like, oh, oh yeah. I love your mom. Yeah, she's awesome. How's she doing, by the way? Sorry. She's good. She's good. She's. Good. Uh, I think she's going to come down here next weekend. Oh, great. Was what her plan was, so. All right on, right on. We'll I think that's how we know you're native, oh. having a nickname. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta have the nickname. <laughs> huh. Yeah, not and from the res if you don't have a nickname. And it's usually yeah. one that stuck from way when you were just a little guy too. Yeah, yeah. And when you go back home, nobody you calls you by you your real name. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Who's Orville? Uh, I don't know. No, no black name. <laughs> right on, right on. I think we're all warmed up now, yes, gentlemen. Sir. So let's get into our main topic. So DJ, if you're ready. Why don't you hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic. All right, all right, all right. Unspoken Words, episode 93, coming to you correct and live here on August 11th, 2022. I just totally messed up that. <laughs> That's okay. Sounded good to me. <laughs> it was good until the end, like most movies. Uh, so today we're going to talk about this article from addictioncenter.com called Homelessness and Addiction. And I thought it would be a great topic to go over, um, since Randy works in that field and I've worked in that field and um, we've all had our battles of addiction. And um, Mr. Desjarle is going to join us as well with some feedback and some reflections. So we'll just jump right in here uh, with this first section here. Uh, the connection between homelessness and addiction in 2017, there were approximately 554,000 homeless people in the United States. The U.S. homeless population is increasing yearly, particularly particularly in younger age range. Typically, homelessness and substance abuse go hand in hand. The end result of homelessness is often substance abuse. And substance abuse can also contribute to homelessness. Uh, The National Coalition for Homeless has found that 38% of homeless people are alcohol dependent and 26% are dependent on other harmful chemicals. Uh, and we'll stop there because, um, you know, in that first paragraph, it just really took me back to when I was the resource outreach coordinator down here in downtown Billings, working two years there. Um, seen a lot of, like, by definition, homeless people. 
you know, they were couch surfing or they were um, staying here and there. But a lot of them, I would say, you know, out of, say, there was 100 people out there on the street, regulars, um, as they were, we referred to them back then. Um, like, majority of them weren't even homeless. They had family that they could go back to or even the house back on the reservation. But because of their addiction had progressed so far, and they were just caught up in that delusion that everything was okay. They were only doing this to themselves. They weren't hurting anybody. They found themselves on the streets of Billings, hustling for their next fix. Um, and though, and I found those people really kind of hard to communicate with. Um, as far as you know, my message of hope and a new way of life, or trying to get plugged into some resources. So, but what I would do is just like really plant a seed with that, with those individuals, you know, talk to them about my story, tell them about, Hey man, I used to drink a half a gallon of vodka every day. And it was always like, damn, you used to drink half a gallon, half a gallon of vodka every day. And I was like, yeah, man. And then that was usually my icebreaker telling them how much I used to drink. Um, but you know, I just wanted to open it up to Randy. Like how, how, what's your, what's been your experience? You've been in this job for a year now. Um, as far as that goes, you know, kind of breaking that ice with these homeless folks or people on the street. Um, <clears throat> as far as what, like uh, substance abuse or like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just oh, kind of. So I think, I mean, I, I think my experience is very similar. Um, like a lot of the population that I deal with are Native Americans and they're from the reservation um, who just enter into a point where they're so sick that the same thing that's killing them is the same thing that's curing them. Mm. And because access to that is easier here in town than it is back home, they have a tendency to come where it's easier. Um, and they, they start gathering around. But, um, but I think like the, the thing that I found most effective in, in this year that I've been working is building relationships with people. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm finding, like, they also have a story. And not only do they have a story, they have smiles and they have cries, too. Mm. Just like we do. Um, and I think my goal is, like, not to ask them, like, why are you like this? But it's more like, hey, man, what happened to you? Like, what happened to you? Because you, you're this person at home, but this is who you are today. Mm -hmm. And you do that by building a relationship and being consistent and going out there. You know, like today I um, met with two clients who had been involved in our services about a few, like about a year ago and things happened in their life. But these two individuals were like, Hey man, Randy's like one of us. And I'd been, you know, riding around with one of my coworkers and he was able to like, because he was with me, he said it. These are his words. He's like, because I was with Randy, they were more open to me. Yep. Um, who's a non-native, you know? Because mm -hmm. he's like, he's learning about our culture firsthand. Mm -hmm. And even though we're off the reservation, what I'm also finding with these Native Americans are they're still social. Like social beings, you know? You're humanizing them. Yeah. They're human beings, they all have stories and feelings and... Absolutely. Aspirations and, and dreams. And and just like most Native Americans, they're freaking community-oriented. 
That's true, too. Yep. You know, they travel in packs, and they all kind of take care of each other, and they got their own little codes, and they got their own little way of, like, living life. But, like, at the end of the day, I think, like, a lot of, like, we start developing uh, the disease. The disease starts progressing more. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. You know? Um, And I think, like, the... And the next part I wanted to give was, like, from Orville, JC, that haven't really worked in this field like we me jc and i mean me and randy have uh on the outside looking in what's your guys perspective on the homeless population on the those on the street as far as you know your experience and then what you see like them doing or what are your thoughts around that well i gotta start out by saying what was that term you used earlier uh by definition i was homeless oh yeah yeah so I understand that. Um, like, I, I was staying at my mom's, but she wouldn't tolerate my alcohol abuse anymore. Mm. And she, one or the other has to go. And you know what I chose? I chose the addiction. Mm-hmm. So I, that, was my, that was my choice, right? Like, so I, and I, I basically was couch surfing, and I didn't have anywhere to go. Well, I did. But, I, again, I chose that, um, that addiction part of it. And I remember times where I would crash on somebody's couch and then in the morning I'd head out and, you know, go try to do my hustle thing, try to get, you know, the next fix, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And walking around in, like, snowstorms. Wow. Going from one friend's house to another, trying to find out which one, you know, was down for the day, I yeah. guess, to, in order, you know, yeah. in, is one way to say it. So I can absolutely relate. To to that idea that at any time you could probably you know there's you probably do have a place to go but you choose not to because that addiction was so overpower you know so powerful so you know um, had its hooks in me that that's what I chose regardless of how miserable my life had become mm-hmm. and, and not even hand to mouth mm. it wasn't even that it was. I was, you know, if there's even such a thing as less than hand to mouth, that's where I was at. Wow. And so, and again, I have to reiterate, reiterate the idea that this was my choice. Yes. But it was that addiction. It was the draw to that next high, that next fix, that next, um, you know, the thing that would take me out of it. And then when I was in that intoxicated state, everything wasn't so bad. I go, that's okay. And I normalized a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like uh, things that I um, look back on today and think, well, why would I do that? How could I do that on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. I normalized it then because that's what I needed to do in order to keep that keep that thing going, that draw that, that was out there. And, you know, just like just like with anything, you know, <laughs> The worst thing you could ever do is overstay your welcome. Oh, yeah. 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 And I've done that to so many people so many times. Mm. Uh, and it just, you know, we always talk about those things you cringe about. Yeah. And I, and I get cringy like, man, I was, I was like that. And I was that guy that they wanted out. <laughs> just cringy. And, uh, you know, and I didn't. So they'd uh, sit down with you and be like, so what you going to do then? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, yeah, that would be one way. That, that would be one way. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do later? Where, where are you going? Are you going to, you know, and then they would even like 
pawn me off on each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? These guys are going to go down. You want to wait over here? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let's go over to, uh, we'll be at Josiah's house. And he'll say, let's go check out Randy. And we go to Randy's house. And then Josiah will leave me there. <laughs> <laughs> I, walk in the front, walk out the back. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a shitty ass feeling, bro. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But again, I chose that. Yeah. That was my choice. And, you know, I wasn't sleeping on the streets. Uh, man, thanks. Thank God, you know, because yeah. I had enough friends to where I, by the time I get back to coming around to your couch again, you'd have forgiven me for the last time I was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I wasn't, you know, like maybe I was, I've been in denial about it for a while. But, and then I remember him saying, this is what it's going to be our topic. And I was like, man, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was homeless before. Oh, and yeah. I remember, um, I mean, there's a couple instances. I remember I used to walk from my place over here and go down to the bus every morning. And it was like February. It was like 2018 below on the bank. You know, when they show you the temperature on the bank. And I saw that. And then there was a guy in one of the doorways. And he was sleeping there. And this is like 6 o'clock in the morning. The sun wasn't even, I mean, it was still dark. Coldest time of the day. And he was just, you know, basically just sleeping in this doorway. And I was telling my mom about that. And then, you know, I was like, you know, that, that just makes me feel like my heart goes out to that person. But for yeah. the grace of God, there go I. Oh, for sure, man. And there are so many people around here that just demonize or vilify these people for for that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I'm like, well, I don't see how you can. I mean, on one hand, I chose it. But on the other hand, why would I choose that? Like Randy said, why would you do this? Because you're, this is you. Mm-hmm. And it was that addiction. It was that addiction. I had no, no, in my mind, I had no way out. Mm. Uh, and like fo- it was inevitable. It was inevitable. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and another thing that came to mind too, like when you're, when you say, well, how do you view the population? I, where I work is right underneath that overpass, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of homeless people that kind of shelter up down there. And we're sitting up in the break room one day, and I had some uh, fellow employee or co-workers in there. And they're looking down at this guy, and he's basically doing his thing down there. And they said, oh, if you need a job, why don't you come up here and get a job? And how come you don't work for, you know, and they were just basically cutting this dude down. And I said, hey, man, we don't know what his struggles are. We don't know what he's going through. We don't know why he's out there. But it's not because he's, I bet, I, how did I put it? Something along the lines of, like, he's he's probably not out there by choice. In other words, he might have chose to be out there, but I don't think that's much of a choice when there are other factors at play. Oh, yeah, huge right? factors, mm-hmm. imagine. But essentially, I was I was angry. I oh, got yeah. angry for them for, you know, sitting up here in your little ivory tower, looking down on this person saying, oh, you don't work, you're just lazy, and blah, blah, blah. And like, we don't know what this guy's going through. Yeah, We don't know what he's doing. And so for me, when I look out there and I see people who are struggling on the street, um, I can't help but, you know, uh, first of all, I just have gratitude for God's grace. Mm-hmm. And second thing is, if I feel that, then the natural second thing I would say is, you know, I have to do something to help them. And this is part of it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not one to just go out and hand people money. Oh, no, no, I, no. I can't do that, not in good conscience, because mm-hmm. I know what I would do with it. <laughs> and I can't say that that's what they'll do, but I 
betting on if I was a betting man, that's where I would go with it. Right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I don't have, but I don't have to do that. I can do other things too, right? Oh yeah. And so I think it's that gratitude, and then the, the desire to say, that's a human being. How can I help them? Mm. That's how I see it. Right. And, I, and I can't sit here and tell you guys that I'm an expert on anything. I just act like I am. You know, but <laughs> I, I'm, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Right. So I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at a holiday and express last night. <laughs> exactly. So, so, I mean, I just do the best that I can with what I have right. and that's all I can do. And I'll let creator take care of the rest. Uh, thank you for that. Orvo. Oh, oh, oh. He's got the right take on how the public perceives oh, so. homeless people, which yeah. is with disdain or oh, yeah. whatever disgust or whatever plays around in their head. Uh, and it's basically just ignorance. right? Mm-hmm. It's just not knowing. And a lot of people don't know. So when you said the topic was coming up about homelessness, I, of course, being a veteran, I checked out our veteran stats on that. Mm. And two-thirds are homeless. Uh, the VA does a lot of studies. And they said two-thirds are homeless because of, of, of addiction. Yeah. And then the second one is mental, mental health. Mental health. Right? Yep. Having mental problems. And then the third one is just a combination of those two. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's your problem. And then you go to some states where they're going to go, we're going to solve this homeless problem by uh, building a bunch of homes for people. That's ignorant. That's, yeah. They don't need homes. That's you're way off the mark. They need mental help. They need addiction help. They need, they need help in those areas, and they're just not getting it. No. Right? And I believe the VA. I mean, their studies are are probably pretty much the same in the public as well. I mean, if you were to do a study on that, and two thirds is that probably drug, alcohol related, addiction related? Probably, probably so. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And it's so sad to think veterans who served their country are out there homeless because of these things. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of sad to think about it, and then just and then to treat them like they're disposable human beings, you yeah. know. That's oh, there's a segment that say we don't need them here in our city or or whatever. Yeah, no value. Yeah, no value added for your society, or you know, we just you're disposable, and that's mm-hmm. just despicable, you know. Yep. I think that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'd say I think that's <laughs> heartbreaking because like a lot of us are like from America, like we. Take it for granted, but then there's also a, a lot of us that say we're patriots, right? Yeah. And we love it when they serve our country in a time of war. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, you're heroes. But when they come home. All broken. Yeah. Broken? Like, we don't address the issues that they're battling. That's true, too. We mm. would rather just turn a blind eye. And you're right. Homelessness is one of those. Yeah. We, we we turn a blind eye to it, and we, we're like, J.C., like, look at those people. How come they're not working? Well, we don't know that. This guy fought for your right to, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that guy could have been, a, that guy or gal could have been a veteran. Yeah. You know, on that roadside. Think about it that way. Would you think of them differently? I think you would. I think you'd take a, take a, look, a second look at them, mm-hmm. hand them that VA card, and go, here, call these guys. They can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the VA, they can't reach out. They're missing about half the, the native population because, again, they don't know how to reach out. That's another reason why we got the magazine, right? Yeah. That's a tool that we can use in places like Alaska or, or Navajo country where there's 
they have no cell phones or internet service, period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, if they can't reach the natives to offer the help, then they're, they don't know where to get the help. So you're going to have homelessness and, and addiction and until they can get a hold of these guys and go, come to us. We can help you for free. Come mm-hmm. on. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a good segue <laughs> into the next topic about homelessness, mental disorders, and addiction. Uh, reports suggest 33% of homeless people battle mental illness. Sources cite mental illness as another major cause of homelessness, which often leads to drug and alcohol abuse. Common mental disorders the homeless struggle with include bipolar, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, severe anxiety. Uh, Homeless individuals suffering from mental conditions are more likely to be victims of assault, further necessitating the comfort they temporarily find in a harmful substance. Homeless individuals suffering difficult mental and emotional conditions may find it convenient to self-medicate with harmful substances as well as strengthening the link between homelessness and substance abuse. Um, And I think my, my time out there working on the streets, like that was a lot of what I ran into was the mental disorders. I remember clearly this one uh, individual stated that they started feeling better on their medications and they would be sober. But once they started feeling better and just, they were dealing with like schizophrenia, um, auditory hallucinations and those voices would go away once they got better. But once they felt better, they're like, oh, I can toss back a few now, you know. And when they're feeling better, they're holding down a job, they got a place. But once they, then they would start drinking. So once they started drinking, they didn't, they didn't take their medication. So then when they're hung over, then the voices would come back. Yep. And this individual stated to me, like, she said, I keep drinking because it keeps the voices away. Self-medicate. And I was just like, you know, I'm standing downtown Billings, like 100-degree weather. We're talking on, like, a sidewalk, and I'm just like, whoa. You know. And so there's health care for the homeless. I was able to help get her over there and working with that counselor and myself. Eventually, we were able to get this individual to treatment. But it was just like, wow, man, that's the kind of individuals that are out here. For the majority, um, and, and you see them, you know, they're standing on the sidewalk screaming at nobody. Right. You know, and it's kind of, it's terrifying. You're like, whoa, what should we do? You know? Yeah, it's scary. Um, and, like, on one of our Smudge the Streets last fall, uh, we do Smudge the Streets, you know, we get a smudge bowl and we walk around downtown and offer the smudge up to whoever. That's pretty cool. Um and at one of our stops, this lady came over and accused us of working for the cartel and was screaming and hooting and hollering at us. And, like, we just walked away because, you know, beyond our level of care at that point, I was like, okay, well, we're not what you're saying, so we're going to leave. And thankfully, you know, she left us alone after that, but she really terrified a lot of the people that came out for as much as the streets that were walking with me. But so I see that mental illness a lot what do you about you yeah experience? so i i run into a lot of the mental illness and and i think that's where we're having the most um what would the word be interaction struggles oh like because they fall in between the cracks 
because you have substance use on one side, and we can't address that until their mental health issue is addressed. Mm. And then the mental health provider can't help them because they need the substance use addressed. Wow. So because they're suffering from both, a lot of them fall between the cracks. Mm. So because it's like a lot got to go into like harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, Josiah, you were right on, like, what I'm finding out is that a lot of these people out there are self-medicating. Mm-hmm. They're using because it silences whatever they're battling mentally. Um, and then, you know, and then mm-hmm. it compounds and it, it just adds. And then they, they lose their homes and they lose their relationships and they lo- ultimately they lose their feelings, you know, because they've, they've covered them up for so long. Um, but I think that's where we're having the most difficulty, especially for, for Billings, uh, because we don't have anywhere to, to send them. And most of these centers are like about a year out, um, for mental health, you know, and we only have one, um, well, we, we have a few, like three, uh, places to detox individuals with substance use, but, also, we're having difficulty in the mental health field because we don't have a lot of options. We need more resources. Um, I ran into a, a, a veteran today who was in Iraq and Afghanistan and also between two countries. I forgot which ones he named. Mm-hmm. This guy is 31 years old, Native American, half, um, you know, uh, been out for five years. And he's like, I don't got a problem. And he goes, I'm drinking because... I've been through a lot of crap, mm. you know, and so he, he justifies it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also he hasn't connected with the VA yet, mm. you know, right. and he's a veteran that's out there. And if we didn't hear his story, we didn't know that we wouldn't know that he fought for our country. And who are listening to these stories? A lot of people just stay away from these folks because they're afraid of them. There's and a stigma. There's a very much a stigma there. So what's, how do you hear these people? How do you humanize them? How do you talk to them? How do you, you know, unless you're getting paid to do it, would you just go out there and start talking to them? I think like even for myself, like even before this, like we would go out there and minister. Really? um, Go and feed them. Treat Mm -hmm. them like human beings. Give them a bottle of water. Right. Get to know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, but ever since I've been down here, there's just been this like, uh, this, this grace, I guess you would say, upon, that gives me favor with these people, Right. Um, and it's something that I think I'm so passionate about because I was doing it so long for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hitting the people at like the Alpha House and, and hitting up the people like on the street. And I remember going over here and, and I wasn't even sober yet at the time, but I remember going in to buy a soda at one of these corner stores on 27th. And there's this, uh, there's this group of people there and they were like, they were asking for money. And I'm like, I ain't got no money. I didn't, you know, all I had was a dollar, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went in, I bought a soda, and I came out. And they're like, well, if you don't got a dollar, then pray for me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. like, they challenged me. And um, I said, really? And they're like, yeah, pray for me then. So I said, all right, come on and pray. And it was a lady. And <laughs> she came over, and she brought her husband over, and then... We're like, okay, and there was a group of them. But if you back up, when I pulled up to the gas station, the store clerk was kicking them off the property. Hmm. 
But when I started to pray for them, when I opened up my eyes, all of them were in a circle. Even mm. the store clerk. The store clerk who was trying to kick them off the property even came out and he joined the prayer. Really? Mm. Yes. Wow. Um, which is highly impactful. It is impactful. And then you start seeing, like, and even, like, for me, like, about when I first got sober in 2015, there was this person that I was asking about. I was like, God, like, why are they like this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that night I, well, one night I had a dream, and I knew that I was standing with God, right? I couldn't see him, but I knew that he was with me. And audibly, he was like, hey, Randy, look, we were by North Park, and there's a fire hydrant right by the tennis court. And I was standing there, and he said, look. And I was pointing, you know, south, and I turned around and looked towards the rims north. And out of that, it was dark, and out of the darkness, these people just started walking. And they were all different cultures. Really? They were white, they were black, they were, you know, Hispanic, they were natives, Asian. Um, they started walking, and, and in that dream, he goes, do you see them? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you see what they look like? I said, yeah. He said, well, what you're seeing on the outside is a manifestation of what's going on inside. Mm. And from that day forward, I looked at people on the street differently. Because before then, I was judgmental. Right. I was like, oh, they're out here because they want to be out here. Bikers. Why don't they do anything better? Why, Why don't, you know what I mean? Why aren't they working? Yeah. And then from that point forward, like, that kind of, like, planted the seed within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you fast forward to, like, 2020 and everything going on, like, and it's crazy because the job that I have now, like, I didn't even apply. Like, I applied for the rock position. And... This guy on the police department actually recommended me for that job. Um, he called me, and then, then I threw, threw my application in there and was hired. But there has been this connection with them, realizing, like, and my whole, like, my thing is, like, to remove that stigma. Because if you get to know them as a person, they're more willing to work with you. And even if you can't, there is that time you see that glimmer of hope return. There's a young lady that just passed away about two weeks ago. Um, But I remember when she was locked up in jail and and we were out there like, and I went out there and met with her. She was just basically waiting to die. Wow. But before, before that happened, she had the opportunity to get straight. And man, she was one of the most kind hearted people that I've ever known. She would always Mm. wear this necklace. Like that was expensive. It was bright and shiny. But I always say, man, that's dope, man. Like, that's awesome. And she could have sold that long ago. Yeah, but she would always wear it, mm-hmm. even, living, even living out there. Um, but I think even seeing that, like, I saw the best side of her. You know what I mean? I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to see who she really was. And ultimately, she ended up losing her life to the disease. But I still saw her, who she was. And mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I had that opportunity. Mm, right on, man. Right you know, on. because I think like what we don't realize is when we do sign up for this job, we sign up for a lot of heartbreak. Oh, jeez. You know what I mean? Oh. It comes with the territory. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when we connect with them and, and we, you know, like have these glimpses of like who they are, like, dude, like for me, it's like unexplained. Like 
The, the best way that I can explain it is like, man, I feel like I did my part today. Whether that just be talking to them, getting them a bottle of water, getting them a sandwich. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I did my duty at the end of the day. You did something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to throw it over here to JC. Um, when you were in that, like, couch surfing, um, in that kind of mind state, and did anybody ever reach out to you and like, what what was your reaction and how do you see that reaction today as you're walking the red road today? Well, um, I guess it's worth noting at the time I was attending outpatient at the CDC in Fort Belknap mm. and they referred me to behavioral health mm. and having going through there and doing their assessments and whatnot, that lady diagnosed me at the time with depression and separation anxiety. Mm. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant, so I asked her, and she said it's a form of PTSD. And because of what I was going on, you know, what had happened previous to that. Um, And so the first, my first, you know, I'm going back to my first initial thought when she said, oh, you got depression and separation anxiety. Like, I didn't want to hear that. No. You know, I was like, no, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not depressed. I don't think, you know. I try, you know, I basically tried to convince myself that this lady, this expert, this one who has all the tools, is trying to tell me something that isn't true because I know me, you know. And she's blah, 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 wrong. She's wrong. And so, like, I just tried to deny it because I think on on one, on a level, on a level that I wasn't really considering then that means everything else is a lie. In other words, uh, the things that I was telling myself to keep going, to be active in my addiction, right? Then I would have to face that truth. And if I did that, then, um, you know, the, my little house of cards would come crashing down. And so on that front, I tried to deny it. I tried to say that this person does not know what they're talking about because that meant I would have had to address my addiction. Yes. Which was, you know, oh, and, and of course, my mental health at the time, which was uh, kind of what Randy alluded to is what was going on on the inside. And so at the time, I was denying it. And it, when, and when, I, when it came to uh, CDC and all these really good people were talking to me and and telling me, you know, you have so many things to offer. You're gifted, you're talented, you're intelligent. And at the time, I would sit there and go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay, well, we got about 15 minutes left in this (laughs) session, so make it quick. I need to get to the store. I got like $2 burning burning a hole in my pocket, you know? Like, I wasn't even there. Yeah. Um. Because I was in such a deep state of denial. That's what it was, I think. That is oh, yeah, for sure. Now, now that I'm coming around to it, and you know, in hindsight, I, I was just in such a deep state of denial because I want because I wanted to have my I wanted to have my booze. Yeah. Long story short, I wanted to drink, and if I accepted everything that was being s- said to me and, and accepted the help, then I would have to give that up. Right yes. Now. Yep. So. So I was like, no, huh? you know, um, I'll do what I have to do to avoid going back to jail. Yeah. But I want to I have my cake and eat it, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And we know that's there's a reason why they say you can't have those things because either you have your cake or you eat it. You can't do both. Mm. Right? So I, at the time when people were reaching out to me, people were trying to help me. Mm-hmm. I pushed them away because of, you know, I, I wanted what I wanted. And, yes. and, and now you're, you, you asked me to kind of put it in that perspective of now that I'm walking the red road, I think uh, looking back, I think they're, because the things that they were telling me are still with me today. It's not like I wasn't listening. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to sit there and talk to you, I'm going to listen to you. What I do with that information is was at the time was a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was still, they were still planting seeds that are, mm. that are, you know, they're growing today. They're still in there. Yes. Yeah. And so the things that they were doing were not pointless. They were not useless. They weren't, um, I guess barking up the wrong tree, going down a dead end, whatever, however you want to put it because it stuck with me. And eventually those seeds started when I needed it the most, then it all came back and they started growing. And I remembered the things that we talked about. I remembered Mm -hmm. the things that they said. And I remembered the lessons that they were trying to teach me. And so it came back. But I think what it was is that there, they were, not only seeds, but they were little rays of light yeah. that I choose not, I, you know, if I got my back to the light, I won't see it. But when I choose to turn around and say, okay, there's a little, there's a little ray of sunshine right there. Let me see what that's about. Yeah. Right. And it brightens up. And then the other one brightens up. And then eventually I came to a point where I was walking in the light. Mm. Good. Right? So, so I guess, you know, long story short, at the time, I didn't want it. But with the things that they were saying, the things that they were doing, the things that, um, the, the help that they were offering wasn't for naught. Yeah. It stuck with me, and I use it to this day. Yes, right on, right on. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good insight to any listeners out there that, Potentially might be on the fence about reaching out to homeless folks, you know, just do it. Yes. Because, go ahead. I got this little story. I met this young man. Um, we were, he wanted to start a business. Uh, he was on the right track to start a business. But he had spent a year as a homeless person in Austin, Texas. Mm. He just lived off the streets. Uh, he was not into drugs. He was not into alcohol. Yeah. He just had men- mental issues, serious mental issues. And he was just living out homelessness for a whole year, for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he came out, he wanted to start his own, and I met him. We were do, doing an entrepreneur thing, and I was just there, and I started helping him out. And um, He ended up going to college radio. Huh. He, he started doing college radio. He really got interested in that. Yeah. Then he ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like, to me, and, and, and now he's working with Homeland Security. Oh. He's got a job. Wow. Nine, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a really good job down in El Paso because he can speak two languages, right? So mm. he's out there helping the, the children you know, come from the borders and they come from all from South America and everywhere else. Very interesting job. I think he finds it challenging and I think it's something that he needs, something stable like that. But he get, I get texts from him all the time. He goes, man, this, do you ever get a break? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, in the, he's, he's now in the, in, the, in the working man's world where he's not used to, to be. Yeah. 
And his, you know, like I said, it had nothing to do with alcohol or, or, or drugs. It's just flat out mental health yeah. concerns that he had, which I found really different and, and, and um, working with. I mean, and just being friends with and just understanding, you know, it's very, I don't know, it's just something really, really different. I'm really proud of him, but it seems like he's on that, he's on a line yeah. to me. You know, he gets a text and says, hey, hang in there and, and all that stuff, but it seems like he could just fall off at any moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 not back, and not back into alcohol or not back into drugs, just back into maybe it's freedom. I don't know why he's homeless. Yeah. Why he would fall back into it. He finds it comforting to him. Yeah. He doesn't have to think about anything. He has no stressors, you know, any of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I never sat down and asked him why he liked, liked being homeless. I guess that's one of the questions I should ask him. Yeah. You know, and then, I, then I can understand a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Just what we're doing here, trying to understand a little bit more about why a person is homeless. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it because he can't afford the drugs? Can he get the drugs? Right? There, there's all sorts of questions you can have. Oh yeah, about about this. Yeah, and it's all relative to each individual that's out there. Yeah, that I came to find out was like, <clears throat> um, and a lot of sad stories, you know. Oh jeez. But there was some that were out there that were circumstantial, that I came across, you know, divorce. Yeah. Someone lost a job. Someone passed away. Um, so they were circumstantial in that aspect, and I'd be like, "Hey, I got this resource. You want to go in there?" But they were the ones like, "Let's go." You know, I got this sober living. You want to go stay over there? Heck yeah, let's go. You know, but then there was that those ones like you were talking about. There was some mental disorder going on, some beha- behavior health issues. Right. And they were just comfortable out there. Loved it. They didn't yeah. drink. They didn't drug. But they were just like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm just sleeping in this park. Man. It's their fallback safety mechanism. Yeah. Just like a, a, a person who's alcoholic would just fall back to drinking so easily. Yeah. You know, it's just their go-to. Yeah, and it's so easy to just. I hear it's so easy just to fall back on something that you're comfortable with. Yeah, and they're just like out there, and there's like avoided the ones that did do drink and yeah, do drugs and that were violent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but they didn't use, and was, that was kind of um, interesting to me. I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. You know? We we talked a little bit about that before. I remember in in our conversation, it was something along the lines of the known. Is better than exploring the unknown. Mm. No matter how that. miserable the known is, like I know what this is. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what it is over there, and you know. So I, I'm, you know, we're, we're afraid. We you know human beings are afraid of the things that they don't, they no. don't understand. They don't no. know. No. And so I think you know the known, the familiar, is better than the unfamiliar. Right Freedom now. to roam. Yeah. My uh, my coworker tells a story about a person that she uh, assisted. They got set up and everything, mm-hmm. and this person eventually came back to her and was like, like tossed away the phone, got rid of everything, and just said, "I just like to be out here." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why didn't you stay in your place? Like, why? Did you, like, apartment, everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. And just willing Man, I got stories yeah. for days like that. You know, there's this one individual got out of Alpha. He's like, can you help me get into sober living? So I got him there. And then he walked out. And I found him walking in the street. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, man, it's just like being in jail at that um, place. But he's still on paper. Within a week, he was back in jail. So I was like, 
I was just blinking my eyes. I had like I couldn't wrap my head around that. He didn't want to go to sober living because it was like jail. But he knew if he left, he'd be going back to jail anyway. Literally in jail. Yeah, literally in jail for like another year. I was just like, oh, man, come on. So like those kind of frustrations are out there too, and I'm yeah. sure you, know, you come across that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, man, you got to shut up with everything. Like, man, just let me be, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's something like that too, man. Yeah, and I think with those ones, like, yeah, we just got to plant that seed and then water it next time we come across them. So, yeah, if you're out there and you want to do some outreach to the homeless, man, definitely do it. Yeah. That's my that's my advice. Um, do it during the day, though, not at night. Not yeah, go with, <laughs> go with somebody, though. Yeah. Like, really, like, just go start out small, man. Just give out bottles of water. Those little, yeah. those little waters? Yeah, yeah. bottles of water. Go with somebody. Um, you know, be aware. Like, be aware. Don't, you know. But, but I think, like, what I find out, too, with the population, like, they're smart. Oh yes, the they know if you're. People. They know if you're just there doing your freaking like religious duty or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll fleece you. Yeah, they'll take your. They'll take your stuff. Yeah. Um, but they're not gonna. You know, they're not gonna let their guard down. No. Um, the lady that I mentioned previously who eventually lost her life to life to the disease, like she had her guard up for a long time. Oh. But yeah. once it came down, like man, it was, it was down. Um, and I think, like, the thing that's most important with this population is building a relationship and being consistent in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know? and trust, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that I did uh, intentionally was, like, I go eat where they eat. Yeah. Like, to the rescue mission in St. Vincent de Paul. I'd jump in line with them, get get some food, and sit at their tables where they were sitting, and I'd eat. And I'd talk with them, tell them who I was. You know, I'd do that. And then... When I was doing, like, going out on my bike or walking around downtown, if I seen them in the alley or they're just sitting on the curb, man, I sit next to them. Just, hey, what's up, man? You know, yeah, it's like, different. I, yeah, it's different for them, I imagine. Like, yeah. Probably eyeballing you. Yeah, they're just like, who are you? What do you do? You know? <laughs> this guy, what do you do? <laughs> Always the new ones. Why are yeah. <laughs> well, you sitting so close to me? Yeah. yeah. No, that was, uh, that was a real thing. But uh, it, like that, it put their guards went down. Yeah. Eventually, you know, and even if they didn't want my help, they're just like, I'd see them, they'd wave, hey, what's up? Or if they seen me coming, man, they'd go the other way. Duck through an alley or go down the other side of the street. So here's a, one or two. Here's an idea that uh, my mom and I uh, did when we lived in Florida. We got involved in this, uh, it's kind of a church event, but they didn't push the religion so much. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they would get this, these bags of quarters, just a ton of quarters. Huh. And then we'd go to the laundromat, and then we'd all do their laundry, all the homeless people's laundry. Oh. So they'd all come in with all their laundry, and, and we'd do it for them. We'd fold it for them and treat them like human beings. But that's where you hear the stories. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. where you break down barriers. And that's where you become human to them. So every two weeks, we go out there and do that. Oh, you just come away feeling, well, so cleansed, you know. <laughs> just yeah. You feel like you did something, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and, and, then, uh, and then cleaning of clothes for them. You know, some of them, what if they wanted to try to get a job, right? Yeah. And now you, now they would have a chance. But a lot of them yeah. just wanted to clean their blankets and clean their clothes because they like that. It smelled good. They, they can't afford it. Yeah. Did you ever think about washing their clothes? No. But when you got going to doing it, wow, they found a value in that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, a lot of value in that for them. And, uh, Definitely. And, and for us, it was very gratifying. For sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Giving back. 
giving back. That's a huge thing. And, humani- and, and humanizing them just. Yeah, just definitely. You're meeting them and greeting them, and they just love what you're doing. So they're grateful, too. Yes. Two grateful people doing yeah. the same thing. And that's like, you know, part of our culture. As Native Americans, we can't keep what we have unless we give some of it away. That's true. You know, and that's why we have giveaways now. Mm-hmm. We still keep on that tradition, and I still keep on with that tradition. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids that, you know, you can't give, you can't keep what you have unless you give some of it away. Yeah, even if true. it's just your time. Well, maybe the library is a good idea here in Billings. Mm-hmm. If anybody wanted to take that for a ride, yeah. try it out and see how it fit. Yeah, send your quarters to unspoken <laughs> words. <laughs> we'll be on the corner of 27th yeah. and 3rd Street. Send your third one Avenue. quarter at a time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, just to reiterate, uh, you can find the homeless and addiction article on addictioncenter.com. There's a lot more to the article that we didn't get to, but I figured we wouldn't, you know. But it's all good. If you want to read the whole article, it's there. Uh, it's a really good article, and it gives some really good suggestions and insight on uh, the issue of homelessness and addiction, how that kind of feeds into each other. But, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys for coming. Thank you, Orville, for coming. Um, now I want to give you the floor, Orville, for any kind of, uh, like, if somebody wanted to get a Native Wellness Life magazine, they wanted to distribute it in their community, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, we got we – got, uh Info at nativewellness.life is our, is our email. Anybody can reach us there. Okay. Um, and then we've got a 1-800 number in there if you wanted to call that. I don't know it right off the bat. Oh, <laughs> uh, but also, I want to let you all know, we're going to be going to the Crow Fair next Friday. And there, yeah, and we're going to be taking a lot of photos. So if anybody's interested, we're looking for family photos and stuff like that. Might go in a magazine, might go on a billboard, might, might we'll just use it for a lot of stuff, actually. So if anybody's interested, catch us out there. I'll be with a video crew and some photographers and getting some family life out the Crow Fair is what we're looking for. Maybe nice. some horses, you know. Just get a little slice of life out there. Yeah. So everybody with those fresh hickeys, come on out. <laughs> Make it visible. <laughs> oh, there's my horse, Karen. Haven't seen you in three weeks, girl. How you doing? I got some apples and carrots for you from D.C. <laughs> it's my horse Karen Let's hear from Karen again before she goes back to her stable Alright see you girl It's good to see you too <laughs> And then one more thing I'd like to mention um, Folks like you mm-hmm. I do stories my whole life yeah. right? And the best ones are the people who've been Who've made it through to oh. the red road The ones who've walked through fire To get to where they're at now Yeah, They are so inspirational I mean the stories Not only the story's great But what they're doing it's mm-hmm. great. They become crusaders. They don't just sit back anymore. Yeah. They actually do something. And that's what you guys are doing. And some of the people that I get to put in my magazine are so touching because they become crusaders too in their own cause and what they're doing. Sure. They're not sitting back on the sidelines anymore. They're not a fan anymore. No. You're part of the game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. And, um, man, we follow your lead because you're doing your thing. You know, you've been doing your thing. You're coming alongside of us and supporting us, and I appreciate you. Oh, yes. you guys. What you yeah. guys are doing is, is awesome. I yeah. love what you guys are doing. Love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Love you, too. And, yeah, man, getting us on the radio, that was pretty cool. We had a little <laughs> commercial for the local radio stations that's been airing, and 
Uh, shout out to our listeners out there, the Unspoken Words Disciples, giving us feedback about our radio spot. <laughs> yeah. expect, expect more of them, and for good causes. Yes. No. You guys are part of the team now, and that's just fantastic. Yes, sir. Uh, any closing words from the Podgotti or from your favorite Indian? Podgotti. Yeah. Podgotti. <laughs> A.K.A. the Podfather. <laughs> A.K.A. number 83. A.K.A. he ain't even trying to preach. <laughs> A.K.A. <laughs> the Algerian nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> no, I think it's funny because my sister called me today and she was like that. She's like, hey, do you know Pod Gotti? I'm trying to get in touch with him. <laughs> she started laughing. <laughs> That's funny. My daughter even, uh, yeah, she, she named herself Lil Pod Gotti on her, <laughs> her little Nintendo Switch. Oh, her gamer tag? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, That's really funny. I don't call myself that. They call me that. <laughs> the people. The champ. <laughs> Any closing words there? Favorite Indian? Fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, you know, uh, I was going to mention this earlier, but I was reminded of something somebody told me. It's kind of funny considering the source. I was in jail, older native gentleman, and you can tell he was coming off a bender, kind of drying out. Yeah. And he told me, he he goes, you never give up on somebody because you never know what you say when you say it. Might change their life. Yeah, that's for yes, sure. And I always remembered that. And I, and and again, I think it was the source is that this is the reason why it stuck with me so long. Because again, he was older, older native gentleman. You can tell he was probably hurting from coming off a, a yeah. bender and whatnot. Yeah. And he, he told me those words, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's just something that always stuck in the back of my mind. So uh, it doesn't matter. You know, what you see somebody going through, whether it be homelessness, um, depression, you know, uh, substance abuse, whatever. If somebody's hurting, don't be afraid to reach out to them. Show them a little bit of kindness. Show them a little bit of humanity. Because you're not only are you planting seeds, but you never know what you say to them when you say it. Just yes. might change their lives. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Uh, oh, I get to use your uh, sound. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to say, you know, we're, again, you know, to reiterate what he said was we're absolutely grateful for every everything you've done for us. Absolutely. Um, it's just bananas for me to be driving down the street and then I hear these two clowns on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been weird. I know those guys. I know those guys. I That's see them funny. every Thursday. Yeah. Oh, so I know funny. what I was going to tell you. Is I was up at the hospital the other day and uh, I was asking about smudging and this nurse said, I don't know. She goes, um, there's a guy you can get a hold of. Um, oh, what's his name? And I kind of went, Josiah. And I didn't even get it out of my mouth all the way. And she goes, yeah, yeah, Josiah Huggins. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a new name, bro? I don't know. I've Mr. Heard that Huggins. Uh, Mr. Huggins. Josiah Huggins, Josiah Hughes, Josiah Huge. <laughs> All of them. How do you spell that? <laughs> Is that one G or two G? Yeah. Like, who the hell puts two G's in hugs? 
I'm a double OJ, son. Yeah. <laughs> um, media conference. Yes. People, people want to come to your media conference? How do they do that? Uh, is it still open? Oh, it's on Eventbrite. Eventbrite. It is still open. Okay. Yeah. If you want to learn about the media, how to use the media, how to... You guys going to give them some pointers, too? Yeah, we're going to be presenting at the media conference next Tuesday, August 16th. It's right. all day. All day. Um, we've got KTVQ out there. We've got uh, Jessica Clampett. She owns three radio stations. It's all going to be advice on how to get the word out. Yeah, and if yourself. You wanna, if you want to promote something, right, yeah. how can I do that? And half of this stuff is free if you just know what you're doing. Yes, sir. And uh, the basics of a news release, they all need a news release. The mm-hmm. radio, the TV, all those people need something. We're going to teach you how to do that. And it doesn't cost any money, really. Uh, 75 bucks to go to our thing, which that includes lunch. Oh, right? nice. So, oh, you can't know. beat that with a stick. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. And you, yeah, we'll be presenting on the afternoon session, breakout. I think so. I'm going to send it to you. Okay, yeah, we'll be there. We're going to be talking about our journey here on it's one o'clock. Unspoken Words, it's, 1 o'clock. It's after they get off the lunch. Right but I knew you lunch. guys can jazz them up. Yeah, we'll jazz them up for that. Down. Before they get that two thirty feeling, what's for lunch? On planet Earth. Uh, it's going to be sandwiches. Mm, Some mm. good ones. Yeah, real good ones. Real good ones with the chips already in there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they're putting the chips in there on site, so they're not yeah. too soggy. Yeah, <laughs> on site day of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, man. It's been good to be back in the studio with uh, three amigos assembled once again. Yes, sir. And thank you to out there, all our listeners all over Flat Earth, the Unspoken Words, Disciples, Spreading Unspoken Words, Gospel, Billy Graham style. We appreciate you. We love you. We look forward to speaking at you every week. So stay tuned. We'll be back next week. Uh ho, Shinook. Peace. Yo, Josiah Mo Fire, aka Mo Hugs Not Drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.